Sports Squad with Io and Chanel. Hello, welcome to Sports Squad here on Fun Kids. I'm Io, and with me is the wonderful Chanel. Now, Chanel, quite a bit has changed this week because lockdowns ease slightly. The government now says that people can exercise more than once a day, and they can do that outdoors. So maybe head to your local park, for instance. Now, the big question is, what are you going to be doing, and who are you going to be doing it with? Probably my mum. I haven't played frisbee with her for so long and recently I found out it's a sport, so like ultimate frisbee. I didn't know that was a thing. I do love the frisbee, you know. I love frisbee. I haven't played in absolutely ages. I'll have to get back on it, but question is, because I live by myself, who am I going to be playing with? Maybe I might just get a boomerang instead. Right. Later on in the show, we have got the sports quiz and also Chanel, you have got lots of news from the world of sports. Now, our big guest today has helped her sport become one of the most popular in Britain. Sports Squad with Io and Chanel. Let's introduce you to our guest because virtually every schoolgirl has played this sport at some point and more and more boys are playing as well, which is quite nice to hear. Our special guest coached the England team to the Commonwealth Games gold medal in 2018. And the sport, of course, is netball. And our big welcome to former top player and coach Tracy Neville. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Lovely to be on. Now, uh, let's talk about netball, because I'm really interested to know about your journey. When did you realise you're actually good at the sport? Um, I think I realised um, my mum actually played. And I remember going out watching her and obviously me, me and my brothers did. And at the time, it's one of them that you pick a spur bib up. You know, there's always someone sometimes at social netball that someone doesn't show up. So, you know, they want someone to come in. And I used to be one of them that I used to just pick this baby up. And she was always a goal attack, so she was like my role model, you know, and every little kid wants to shoot. They either want to play centre and get every other ball or they all want to shoot. And, you know, at the time, um, my mum was a shooter, so she inspired me to be a goal attack. And that's basically when I realised I was good. And then when I went to school, I got put in a team that was two years above me. And I thought, actually, I'm quite good at this sport. And then so on and so on. It felt at 12-year-old, I played in the under-21s. You know, I made my senior debut at England when I was 19. So it just felt that I was always a step above um, my particular age group. Um, and then it started to get harder and harder when you had to train as well, when I just used to play. <laughs> you know what's really interesting? Um, we spoke to Liv Cook, an uh, incredible freestyler and broadcaster, in the last episode, and she talked about how her brothers got her into football. Now, you've got two very famous footballing brothers, um, Gary and also twin brother Phil. Was there no inclination or desire from your side to get into football? Or was the game not as popular for girls back then? No, I actually played, a, a, up to the age of 11, I probably played like probably more football than I did netball. Um, because obviously we're having two brothers in the house when you know, you're playing on the field while your mum plays sport, which my mum played a lot of sport in the summer and winter. It was always football or cricket we used to play. So I actually got really good, quite good at both them sports. However, I remember at um, primary school going up to my teacher saying, can I join in the football team? And he said, no, girls are not allowed to play with the boys at football. And it weren't inclusive then. There weren't clubs for girls' football. However, saying that, my mum used to play at primary school. She used to be the forward for the boys' football team. So it was actually my mum who my brothers got their footballing talent off, even though my dad played a little bit. But my dad reckons it was him, but it was obviously claimed to be my mum. Um, she's obviously the sporty in the family. And I wish I'd have been opportunities because I would have made a really good centre-half as well. Because I, I was tall for a girl in consideration to my brothers who were quite small in their sport. Obviously, netball's the big one for you, but yeah, let's talk about winning the Commonwealth Games. Must have been incredible, you know, and beating world number one, Team Australia. And... 
the way it happened, and I'm sure so many people maybe remember this, you know, last minute, last second basket, you know, 52 points narrowly to 51. You know, at what point did it sink into you? You know, all these hours of work we've done has gone into this and I'm part of it. I'm the coach. <laughs> did you see my celebration? Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I almost thought I'd be one of them conservative coaches that sat on the sideline. And I just went mental. I just, I just didn't even know. I think I did a knee slide at one point. I never, <laughs> if, you, if you actually look at my knees, I can't. I struggle to get off the couch sometimes. You know, because <laughs> I've had five knee operations. I'm like, how did I even get to do that knee Why slide? Why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. And it was history. It was a dream. You know, I, I remember being a ball girl at um, the Manchester Evening News Arena watching England for the first time. And that was the first time when I actually got the position behind the bench, behind the England bench. And I thought, one day I'm going to sit on that bench. And to sit on it as a coach and a player um, is a dream. And to be part of England winning their first gold medal and the history that was behind that. I'd contributed over that history to my particular sport. So it felt like a whole weight had been lifted off everyone's shoulders and... You know, you always have this imagination how you're going to celebrate and it just totally didn't happen like that. I remember just going back after and going, I'm so tired, I just want a cup of tea. I just want a cup of, I want a cup of PG tips and I just want to get in bed and have a shower because I just, I felt like there was just so much emotion built into it that I think it took me about two months to recover from that emotion. <laughs> I know Chanel's a big netball fan. You've got a question, ain't you? How important is it to you with all the success of England, winning has made netball really popular. All my friends are really keen to play. You know, if I look back five years, um, we were in a sports hall with benches, um, nobody recognised anyone. To, if I look, skip that onto World Cup, um, you know, we were having security segregating the fans from us coming out of the hotel. That has never happened. And I've been playing England netball since I was 16 year old. So you're talking 27 years. They've never had to cordon off an area for a team to come out. You know, we were treated like celebrities. We were treated like role models, ambassadors. And, you know, that was an inspiration. You know, you think I contributed to that success through my playing and through my coaching. And that will always make me proud. I think one of the most inspiring things, Chanel, that... um, this little girl said to me, she was only seven year old, and she said to me, I want to be a professional netballer when I grow up. And, you know, my heart just melted because if I reflect back to probably four years, the same girl was telling me that she wanted to be a lawyer, a doctor, because there was no future in netball. And what they're seeing now is there is a future in netball, but there's also a future to be a lawyer and a doctor because we actually have really great examples of them within our team because. I always think netball attracts such intelligent girls and individuals that, um, you know, they need something else as well. Yeah, really, really, really good answer, actually. Uh, Chanel, I know you love sport, especially team sports. She's just always thinking how she can get better. I know you, you wanted to talk about this earlier, didn't you? I play um, goal defence and centre for my school and my local club. What advice would you have for me if I wanted to reach a better level? Um. I'm going to ask you, can I ask you a couple of questions, Chanel, before I um, actually answer that? How tall are you? I'm 167 centimetres, so like 5'5". Five five. <laughs> but I can uh, jump really know. high. Can I ask how old you are? 14. <laughs> so what I probably would um, advise you to do is you, you would probably, at this particular age, start to move towards that wing defence centre. I think at, at school level, it's great that you'll play goal defence. And th- we see this a lot with talented athletes, but... You, your height is going to get you at some point, if you've noticed. I'm not going to say that there isn't smaller goal defences, but 167, you know, is pretty short for a defender. However, 
you look quite a fit individual. You look quite like that you like to run. And I always think wing defensive centres are, you know, if they don't like to run, they're not going to be a wing defence centre. But you look like a person who likes to keep fit and, you know, has got a lot of grit. And you say you like you've got elevation, which is an absolute huge asset for wing defence who go back and up. Um, I think one of the highest skills I would teach you would be the back and up. Because a lot of the time, Chanel, you work back into pockets or back onto circle edge. You work backwards rather than forwards. Um, so that's one of the things that we say lets a lot of wing defence centres down, a skill level down, that they're not able to go back and up. They can come forward a lot, but a lot of the time the ball's actually going um, ahead of you. Um, so that's one of the things I'd probably say. It's a skill that takes a lot of technical work. But I think if you work on it, you know, and some of our internationals work on it on a daily basis, you will become a very, very good player. Thank you. Also, you believe there should be a lot more sports played in schools. You trained as a primary school teacher, so you've got a pretty good idea about school sports. Yeah, and do you know, it isn't just about being a primary school teacher, because if you asked me if I wanted to stay longer or start earlier than nine o'clock and half three, I'd probably say, no, I don't. I want to go home and do my own things and get on with my individual life. However, as a coach and as a player, I've been around a lot of schools, done a lot of ambassador work with schools, and I feel that I'm unsure why we don't extend the day. Um, we're trying to make PE compulsory, but I always feel that PE in schools is always rushed. It's always last on the agenda. You're either, you know, going to lunch, um, you, you have lunch and then you go to sport and then you have to come back to your lesson or you're coming from a lesson into sport and then you have to go home or, or something like that. And I'm unsure why we don't extend the day. I've, I see this, some great examples in some of the boarding schools where, you know, school finishes at half past three and then, Everyone, even the teachers, coach or play sport up until about five o'clock. Um, and I, I'm not sure why we don't do that. The other thing um, I feel that we need to do a lot more of, and I got told the other day that generations change and you're seeing this within our changing rooms when girls are preparing for a game, they're doing the makeup, they're doing the hair. And, you know, if, if they're doing sport in the middle of the day, why are we not upgrading our changing rooms? Why are we not putting straighteners in there, hair dryers in there, makeup in there? extending the PE time so so girls actually can go and do sports sweat you know whatever come back and you know come out looking as glam as they went in because the sport is a lot more glamorous now and people have you know they take a lot of selfies they have a lot of self-presentation you know and personal pride in themselves and I don't you know when I was at school you know you went back to school with sweaty hair now girls don't want to do that anymore and I think you just have to make little changes to where we're moving in society. Okay, fantastic. Well, lovely way to end that. Like, stay with us, Tracy, because we definitely know you've got some questions in for Chanel in our big quiz. Sports Squad Quiz. It's time for the Sports Quiz. So this is the part of the show where you get to play along as well, because our guest will ask Chanel three questions. Two of the questions are from the interview we've just had, and one of them is a bit of a curveball. So Chanel, I hope you've been listening, because you've been doing a fair bit of talking. So Tracy, take it away. Okay, Chanel, let me see how much you've done your homework on me. Um, okay, first question. How many points did we score to beat Australia in the Commonwealth Games final in 2018? A, was it 101? B, 52? C, 80? Um, I'm going to say C, 80. Ah, yeah. Can I give her the answer? 
It was actually 52. Now, Chanel, one thing, if anyone ever asks you about this, the average number of goals that are scored in a winning game is about 60. So, it's if it's bad. 80, you've absolutely nailed the final. If you won by one... <laughs> if it's if 101... One, it's going to be in between that 50-60 game. <laughs> I wish we had got 80 in that final. Um, You're setting records at 101, I tell you. I know, I know, 101. That would have been... Um, okay, second question. I've got two brothers, Phil and Gary. Gary is my twin, true or false? False, because Phil was your twin. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, third question. What's the nickname of the England netball team? Is it A, the Roses, B, the Eagles, or C, the Lionesses? A, the Roses. <laughs> Do you know what? I got asked not to mention the Roses in this quiz and I'm like... I don't even know what they did it. I was like, that's like playing that yes and no answer game, isn't it? You know, when you can't say yes or no. I was like, how can I talk about my career if I can't talk about the roses? <laughs> Amazing. So what's that? Two out of three ain't bad. Congratulations, Chanel. 77%, you'd have been successful in netball. <laughs> oh, 66, sorry, 66. 66. Quite like a decent netball score, I should say. Uh, all right, look, Tracy, this has been a pleasure. Honestly, we could talk all day. Um, it's been so good to hear about your insight into the world of netball. But thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Chanel. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. The World of Sports Squad. What an amazing guest Tracy Neville was. We could have literally been there all day. Right, time for your bit, Chanel. Time for the wonderful world of sports. What kind of news have you been looking at this week? Before I start my story, Io, what are the strangest conditions in which you play sports? Really good question. You know what? Years ago, uh, when I was on Blue Peter, I played muddy football. So there's a place called Danoon near Dundee in Scotland. And they've got this annual tournament where they wait for it to rain a lot. And then there's this huge mud pit. And then they play a game of football in it. So you've got to tie your boots in a plastic bag. And you're literally wading through loads of mud trying to kick the ball. It's the most exhausting, most interesting game of football I've ever had. And when we were playing, it started raining even more. So then the mud became even more slushier. And then I'm literally rugby tackling my mate to try and get the ball off him or to get a pass. It basically became a massive wrestling ring. Sounds really fun, honestly. Therapeutic. My story is football related too. Well, it's as clear as mud exactly when and how the Premier League will resume in England. But in South Korea, the top K-League has already started. But bizarre scenes for last weekend's first games. No fans. So empty stands apart from a few officials wearing masks. Masks too for all coaches and subs on benches. On the pitch, no masks but handshakes were banned. Although players did bump fists at the end and players were not allowed to spit or talk to each other if too close together. Fans could watch the match on YouTube and Twitter, and recorded crowd noise was played through the stadium speakers. Coming to a league near you soon? Uh, I tell you, the Premier League could probably take a, a leaf out of their book. Maybe that's what's going to happen when, hopefully, the Premier League comes again. All right, that is all we have got time for on today's show. It's goodbye from Chanel. Bye. Sports Squad is brought to you with the support of the Audio Content Fund. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the program, please review us and rate us as well. Catch you next time.